Hey, everybody. It is Garen and Jordan. Uh, the roles are reversed today. <laughs> I, get to, uh, I get to talk to him about um, his teaching yesterday on the Satan, the Satan, which was really good. Um, I really enjoyed that. Got it. You always push them back on me. I got a lot of pushbacks, man. I'm a lot of things. <laughs> I don't like this as much. Yeah, got a, <laughs> I got a bunch of texts yesterday. My phone, like during the sermon, was just off the ringing off the hook. Just ringing off the hook with text messages. You know, who is this? What is he saying? No, Garen, come back, please. <laughs> no, not really. Um, such an important topic um, because if I go to your sermon, I mean, you talked about. Paul says that we, we're mindful, we know his schemes, right? But I think a lot of people don't, and we, we should be. So it really is important yeah. to know the enemy. You've talked about that when you're in warfare. You know the enemy. You've scoped them out. You know their strength and where they are. So yeah, really significant topic. I remember growing up, I almost felt like I wasn't supposed to think about the enemy or like, oh, if I think about him, then he's winning, you know, if I give him any attention at all. And in reality, like, yeah, if you have an enemy, you have to think about them some. You got to be aware of what they're doing at least a little bit. Yeah. Because if you're not, they're just taking free shots at you. Yeah. So yeah, I had to shift my thinking on that as I kind of grew up in the faith a little. So why was this so important for you to do, this sermon? And we just hit a little bit, but for you, why was it? Uh, why was that an important thing to talk to the body about? Um, because it really irks me when there are things in the Bible that I feel like most of us don't understand well. Yeah. Because what good is the Bible if we don't understand it, for one? And for two, like anytime we misunderstand something, we're missing out on something. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, me included, are missing out on victory over the enemy. And it, that's often replaced with confusion about the enemy or discouragement about the enemy. And it's such an easy fix when you just go to the original text and know what the authors are talking about. So many of those little issues and questions can get resolved. And so this is one of those things where I think a lot of us, myself included, like I said yesterday, I had a lot of misconceptions too. A lot of us just don't understand some of the basic things of like why it says that or what does it really say. And um, if we did, then our our depth of knowledge about the enemy would be a lot greater and i think we'd have we would feel in our spirit like we have more victory over it and maybe remove some of that confusion and discouragement that i think we feel related to the enemy sometimes yeah, yeah that's good so you were just talking about even we have misconceptions i want to hit a couple i mean one thing you did yesterday that probably was new for a lot of people was the idea that satan is not his name i mean i think most people think if he showed up at Starbucks and he gave his order and they said, can we put a name on this? He'd say, Satan, right? And they'd probably write like and, Stan or something. Yeah, and they'd write Stan, <laughs> yes, as if I never have that problem. Uh, Garden, is that your name? Or Gary, uh, Darren, uh, Garrett? Um, but instead, what he would actually, so I'm going to actually delve in a little more, but what he would actually do is he would say, just put on there uh, more of a title, just I'm the adversary. Yeah. Because that's what Satan means, right, in Hebrew. It right. actually is a descriptor. It's not a name, but it's a... So um, why is that important? I, I want to know. Why is it so important? I just want to say it's funny because we went home from church yesterday and had lunch together as a family. And Kate was saying, yeah, when you were saying that about Satan. And I said, about who? <laughs> and she's, she didn't get it. She's like, about Satan. And I was like, wait, who though? And she's like, Satan. And I was like... And she's like, oh, right, the enemy, the enemy. Right? Yeah. So it's so deeply ingrained. Yeah, in us, right. You know? It's very deeply ingrained. Even up there on stage, it's like, 
I, in my run throughs, I would say Satan or I'd say the devil. I was like, oh no, like I got to deprogram. It's not, I, I can't treat it as a name. So why is it important? I think what Tim Mackey said in his video resonates with me a lot. Uh, the biblical authors intentionally don't name this character in the Bible, this person, this spiritual being. And I think a lot of it has to do with that they don't want to ascribe too much status or honor to it. Like it's not even worthy of a name because we see smaller spiritual beings, like spiritual beings with smaller roles in the Bible who get a name and the enemy plays a much bigger role than them. I'm thinking of like archangels like Michael or Gabriel, uh-huh. who they show up sometimes, yeah, but like <clears throat> they play a smaller role than the enemy and they have names. So like, I, it feels really intentional to me that the enemy isn't given a name. And I think that's part of it is like, this creature is so just anti-God, it doesn't even deserve to be named. It's just the adversary. Yeah. That's how it feels to me. Yeah. I frequently feel like it's a disservice when in translating, we take a Hebrew word and we just shift the letters down. So Satan becomes Satan. And to them, it wasn't Satan. To them, it was the adversary because there's always that definite article on it. Uh-huh. And they read it that way, the adversary. But when we just use borrow the letters, it becomes for us a name because we've yes. lost that, right. that meaning. Yeah. I've got even another idea. Well, um, can I ask you a question? Are yeah. you going to lose your train of thought on that? Or can I ask? Can I no, go, you, yeah. What Did you find, because you know way more about Hebrew and those things than I do, when Mackie was talking about why the translators don't include the article. Yeah. Do you think those are the reasons or could you think of anything else? Because no, he said those, it, it sounds weird and he, they don't want to upset people. Where are the two reasons he said? Yeah, those, I think those are the reasons now. I find that a lot of times if you go back to like the earlier Bibles, like the King James, sometimes they were protecting a theological agenda. And that's, so baptism, for example, which means immersion, but the Church of England baptized infants by sprinkling. They weren't practicing immersion. And so they, there was a choice to just use the letters because if they translated immersion, oh, they weren't doing it. Yeah. So sometimes if you go back to the older, early English, there was actually theological reasons why they didn't. The stuff he said for modern translations, yeah, it would confuse people and because that's just not how we think of it. Sure. Okay. And so. Okay. I didn't mean to derail you. No, that's cool. So J.R. Tolkien, and I mean, after scripture, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien are there, right? I right. Think. They're... They're pretty. <laughs> they're right there. <laughs> they're right there. If you're talking about human literature, he he has a really interesting idea that he says that evil. So in 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 his books, evil never has a name. Oh, and he yeah. says that evil is always nameless. Let me, if if you don't mind, one yeah, of my yeah. favorite characters in the Lord. Hey, of the it's Rings, your show today, Gary. It's you my show, so I can do it. Can I just run? I can do all <laughs> the talking. It's your show, yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> You know, in the movie, the third one, the, one of the favorite characters is uh, the mouth of Sauron, the dude with the huge mouth. Oh, yeah. And you can't see his eyes. That's super freaky. Right? And he's called the mouth of Sauron. Just let me read what this says. As as its head, there rode a tail, uh, a tall and evil shape, mounted upon a black horse, if horse it was, for it was huge and hideous. Its face was a frightful mask, more like a skull than a living head, and in the sockets of its eyes and its nostrils there burned a flame. The rider was robed all in black, and black was, loft, was lofty helm. Yet this was no ring wraith, but a living man. The lieutenant of the tower of Baradur he was, and his name is remembered in no tell, for he himself had forgotten it. And this is a common theme all through the Lord of the Rings is that is that evil creatures have a, they're known more by what they're like, a title of what they do, and they've lost their name. Yeah. That, that you see God naming things in Genesis, that Revelation says he'll reveal to us our true name that naming is something God huh. does for good. 
Hmm. And that evil things actually are nameless. Having a name is kind of like an honor thing. Yeah, it's like an honor thing and it's an identity thing. And when, like, so when Satan fell, like, he lost. And it's almost like the enemy has no identity other than being anti God. Yes, exactly. So there's nothing that makes him up other than being against whatever God is for. Yes, exactly. So he's an adversary. He's a liar. He's a murderer. Like, he's defined more by that. So I I think I'm glad you brought that whole thing up because I really think it's significant. So cool. Uh, well, that's good. Yeah. So I think there's a, even a lot more to this than even we know. But even just scratching the surface of it is really, uh, I don't know, it's helpful for me. Yeah. It's really good. So I'm glad you took us there. Because sometimes people are afraid to say things like that that are against what we've normally heard. But I, it's important. Well, we that's, why, that's why you left town, right? Because yeah. you're like, if this goes south. If it goes south. I'm just going to start a new yeah. life somewhere I'm going to fake else. a wedding. And if this goes <laughs> south, I won't be here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you also talked the the primary way he his primary um way of doing things or his uh there's a word i'm trying to think of but his primary activity is his, his mo yeah his mo right his modus operandi right his mo is lying like yeah that was pretty huge like why is that significant that we know that well i mean for all the reasons that we talked about like if you know that what move is coming then you can stop it, right? And so if you know the attack is a lie and you know the weapon, your weapon is truth, then how much easier is it to, okay, let's go back to the 2017 World Series where the Astros cheated a World Series ring away from the Dodgers. Yes. Do you know that Clayton Kershaw got absolutely shelled that game because they knew what pitch was coming, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like the the swing and miss rate for Clayton, Ker- Clayton Kershaw's off-speed pitches is something like 40%. Like, it's really good. And that game, it was like 2%. Like, they knew what was coming, and so they were hitting home runs. And it's the same thing with us and the enemy, right? Like, if you never know when a curveball's coming, you're going to swing and miss a lot. Yeah. But if you know what's yeah. coming every time, yep. you're going to be so much better prepared. Yeah. So if we know that lies are what he does, then we just got to be on the lookout for it. You know, in my own spirit, when a thought rises up, I immediately go, okay, is that a lie or is that truth? And what authority is that said with? And what does God say about that? And just asking simple questions is going to be able to, I mean, take so much confusion and frustration out of so many things when it comes to the enemy. Yeah. And it's also important. I, I'm so glad you brought that up because in warfare, your defensive pos- your defensive mechanisms have to match whatever the offensive weapon is. That's why in warfare, whenever somebody gets a new weapon, at first they're very effective because people don't have a defense against it. So our defense against lying has to be, you've said it, but we've really got to make sure we are into the what? To, into God's word. Yeah. It can't be my truth. Yeah. It can't be culture's truth. It can't be my feelings. It's got to be what has God said about this. Yeah. So being grounded in the word of God is really central right. to combating Satan. Yeah, yeah. That's really. Which is why, I mean, we're told to be in the word all the time, right? It's not so that we can feel good about ourselves and check it off our Christian list. It's like, I got to know the playbook. I got to know truth yeah. because when lies hit me, I got to have an answer for it. Yeah. And you kind of brought it up when you read the list. It's not only a defensive, it's not only a, a piece of armor, but it's also our weapon. Right. It's the sword. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, how we fight back. Yeah. So if you're going against lie, a liar who lies, yep, then the word of God has got to be crucial. Yep. Truth is the weapon. So that takes me to this really cool thing. So it talks, you said four times in that Ephesians text, it says to stand. And you said yes. that's not that's not so much stand up, right? But get t- tell if you don't mind, remind us more. And I want to delve into that. But the A that, word yeah. that you taught us, abide. Yeah, this was like really big for you in one of your messages a while back. But 
the point there is that that word, as I understand it, in New Testament Greek means more about camping and staying and living mm-hmm. in a place more than it means physically standing up out of your chair. Yeah. And so Paul is calling us to abide, commune with God, with truth, um, through all of that, rather than stand up and fight and do it on our own. Because that's the imagery I kind of grew up with. It's like, I got to stand up and do it. And it's like, if you really understand yeah, what Paul's right. trying to say, he's mm-hmm. saying, where are you camped at? Where are you hanging out? Yep. Because that's going to be the determining factor on if you're successful or not. Yeah. So what's it look like? And I loved your, you had the picture of the river and the tent on two different sides. Like I'm either camping on his side, yeah. in which case I'm camping in lies and non-reality, as you said. Yeah. Or I'm camping on with the Lord. And if I'm camping with him, I'm living in reality. Right. As I know him. Like talk a little bit more about that abiding. What, what would that look like concretely? I think concretely it just means like communing with God on a daily basis that and everything that I do and every thought that I have, um, that I'm going to God's word and making sure it's lined up with that. That when I wake up, God's word is one of the first things entering my brain and it determines my steps that day. That when I encounter something or have a problem, that he's the one that I run to, that I don't try and solve it on my own. Um, I think one of the questions we asked at the end was what are the most frequent and influential influential voices in your life and what are they telling yeah. you mm-hmm. so we think about the media that we intake we yeah. think about the yep. advice from friends that we internalize yep. who we hang out with we think about the company that we keep yeah all that stuff so to me those are the concrete things when we talk about where are you abiding which side of the river are you on am i doing my own thing according to my own timing and my own wisdom or am i rooting myself in god's word and valuing the things that he values yeah when i saw that picture that you had on screen and I was just thinking of the idea of environments that, yeah, Satan, like he's over here, God's over here. And like there are environments that really draw me into his lies and there are environments that help me to abide. What would be some environments? You kind of hinted at it, but what would be some environments I put myself in that that are putting me more in his camp, even without knowing it, but that his lies are sure. infiltrating my life? Um, I would say the, the music and the movies we watch are big. I would say that the friends whose advice that we take is big. I would say the things that we allow our hearts to feel affection for Mm, is a big one. Because what is the lie? The lie is the heart wants what the heart wants. But the truth is that the heart wants what you feed it. And so what am I feeding my heart and becoming attached to? Because you control what you're attached to. I mean, that's the truth. Right, yes. Um, I don't know. Those are the ones that... Yeah, that's really good. ...that I go to. So you did a really cool thing. You, You juxtaposed abiding and trying. And with trying, you talked a lot about earning. And I've talked before about that, actually, about the difference between trying and training in Scripture. We're told to train to godliness, not to try. Um, and you talked about a trying. So talk a little bit. What is a trying mindset or that earning mindset? How does it apply to this? And then I want to ask you another question. But So to me, it's that last slide that we showed about living, when you're trying to live to the cross and not from it. Like the earning mindset says, I, gotta, I am working hard and I'm looking up and I'm heading towards the cross. Like I'm trying hard to get there, um, and I don't I don't want to go too far because I feel like you're asking me another question. But that's what Not earning really. is to me. Yeah. It's like I'm trying hard to be good enough for the cross. Yeah, good enough for the cross. Yeah. Earning his approval, earning, to, uh, earning his smile, his smile, earning his or being worthy of him laying his life down for me. Yeah, right. I got to be good enough for that. Yeah, going co- totally against what Ephesians two eight nine says, where it's just a gift. Yeah. Um, so living yeah. in opposition to that, I guess. Yeah, and you're right that I've heard a lot about like preaching the gospel to ourselves or always reminding ourselves of the gospel. That's a daily, that repent and believe is a daily thing, right? That's right. not just conversion. It's not one time. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that reminder. So then you talked about 
I can have a trying mindset where my scripture memory or other things fall under that. And so I'm so somebody might be like, well, so I don't read the scripture, or I don't memorize scripture, or I don't do some of those things. Is that so abiding is like anti that? You weren't really saying that. How what would so what would Bible reading look like under trying? And what would Bible reading look like under abiding? Okay, that's a good question. I think that if we are trying, then our Bible reading is like, I've got to know enough scripture so that Jesus is impressed with me, or I've got to get my 15 minutes in today mm -hmm. so that God will be happy with me. Yes. Um, and I think abiding is the opposite. It's like, I'm looking in the rear view mirror and I see the cross back there and I remember what he did for me. And so that like fuels me in this. And that's my, that's my jet fuel of why, I, that's the reason I want to do this. I want to spend time in his word because I know what he did for me and I know how much I value him and how good and beautiful he is. And I just want to know more about him. And um, you're not trying to earn anything. Maybe it's kind of like, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. So this could be wrong. We'll edit it out if it's, if it's bad. But it's like when you're talking to a girl and you want to date her, and it's like, I'm going to do all these things to try and earn her affection. Like, I'm going yeah. to buy her favorite candy yeah. and take her to this movie and yeah. all these things. You're trying to earn your spot uh -huh. with this girl, opposed to like when you marry that girl. And it's like, now that we're married and I know that you're mine and I'm yours, like, I want to do all those things for you because of how much we love each other. I'm not trying to earn you anymore. Like, you've already given yourself to yeah. me and me to you. So there's yeah. nothing to earn. Yeah. But it's just like, I desire to be with you yep. and make you happy. Yep. And so that's why I'm doing yeah. these things. And that word to me, with, is really important. You're just doing things with her. It's, it's, that's what abiding is. Yeah. Whereas the other, in the earning, it's to impress her. Yeah, right. Yep. It's like, if I check these boxes, this is what I'm told, she'll be impressed. She'll want to go out on a second date. Yeah. And it's really not about being with. It's just more about, yeah, checking the boxes. Right, like, like wear your best uh, K-State hoodie. Is that kind of like that? Yeah, I think so, definitely. Yeah. I got to tell you. That, I think did that hurt? I meant that as a dig, but I think it actually earned you points with people. Uh, did, did it earn? But I lost some with others though. Because when I showed the when I showed Willie the Wildcat being the enemy, yeah. there was a noticeable uh, lack of laughter. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> when you showed then, me, when I showed there were you, cheers there probably. Was, there were a lot more smiles. Yeah. So I think you bumped up a couple notches in people's eyes on that one. Let's let's do one more, Jordan. What would my prayer life look like? under trying and what would it look like under abiding maybe prayer when you're trying is like um man i've got to oh i've got to say the right words and i've got to be really spiritual i'm going to pray long enough and enough times and like it's got to sound good enough and it's got to just yeah. be the right yeah. prayer uh -huh. and the right words and the right, right yeah, topic all that and then maybe just abiding is just like it's just like talking with god and listening to god and just spending time with him in silence yeah and it's just about building a relationship more yeah. than it's about trying to earn right. status yeah that doesn't even exist with him like yeah. there's no category for that in his mind of like oh garen is a is a great prayer so i now value him more yeah, like right. god can't value anymore so yeah. that doesn't exist yeah i think so yeah i'm willing to just share my real life with him unload what i'm really thinking sure if i'm on the trying that trying side i, I got i can't pray a questioning prayer because that'll tick him off, right? Yeah. So I've just got to say good, but if I'm on the abiding, I'm like, Lord, this is honestly how I feel today. Maybe it's like the difference between being in like a job interview where every word is so measured and intentional. And it's like, oh, I really got to like be on my A game and say the right things and appear a certain way versus just being with a good friend and watching a football game and just, how was your day? Well, I'm just sharing how things were going yeah. or how's this going? What are you concerned about? It's, it's the difference in feeling there. You're not trying to impress anybody. You're just spending time with them. Yeah. Let me do one more. 
Um, what about scripture memory? Because you talked about that, and yeah. there it can be in kind of an earning thing. Because I was introduced to scripture memory after I became a believer. I'm in a summer Bible camp thing, and they had teams, and whoever got the most points at the end of the week won. And one of the ways you got points was, was memorizing verses. So it, to me, was a, I'm doing it as a way to get points to win a competition. So yeah. that very much was kind of an earning kind of thing. Right. What would scripture memory look like? So in your to you, what's the difference between earning and abiding yeah. with scripture memory? Scripture memory is so important, and God tells us to do it. And I'm so grateful to Awana, because when I was a little kid, Awana is so good at having you memorize a lot of scripture. And I think, I mean, I already, I wish I knew more scripture. Like, I think I'm deficient to that more than I'm proficient, but the ones that I do know, I'm grateful for Awana because it helped me with that. But um, I think that it can easily become something that is a source of pride for us. Yeah. If it's like, oh, mm. I know mm-hmm. all this scripture. Yeah. Or I think that it can be something that um, can become the main thing if we're not careful. Yeah. Like Bible knowledge and Bible scripture memory can be, can like supersede almost God in our hearts and our affections if we're not careful. And so I think just because of our brokenness, we can so easily elevate that above God. But it in itself is a good thing. Like it's a helpful tool to to just know God's word. Because yeah. is it Psalm 119? It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By, um, by knowing God's word in your heart or memorizing God's word in your heart, something like that. And so God tells us it's how we spot lies and respond to lies. Yeah. But we can weaponize it when it becomes a source of pride for yeah. us. Yep. So if it's a, if it's a source of pride... It's in that trying, but abiding, it's more like even your word is so valuable to me, Lord, I'm going to memorize it because I care so much about you. I want to hear what you say. I want to carry it in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really cool. One last thing. You talked about the enemy. Um, It's easy if we don't realize he's the enemy. Oh, yeah. Other. We can demonize others. Yeah, we demonize others. Right. Boy, that is really huge. We would never do that in church, though, right? I know you have not. But normal people have. <laughs> yep. And in church, we can eat each other, right? Yeah, right. It, in like, fact, Paul, that's when he calls them devils. Yeah, that's what I, I love a lot. Yes. You devils, quit eating each other. Yeah. Quit accusing each other. Because right. there was gossip and conflict and dissension yeah, going right. on, right? And he called it out. He said, that is like devilish work. Yeah. Yeah. That's like what adversaries do. Right. Yeah. That's not what you do as God's people. So I really thought that was significant because... I think we all do that though, right? Like everybody, we're so quick. Kate and I talk about this. Where we're just like, man, sometimes we're way too quick to just make an enemy of somebody or think the worst of them. Right. And it's like, golly, we shouldn't do that because they're not even the enemy. Yeah. No matter how much we think they are. And wouldn't he want us doing that? Because if he can get us naming another human as the enemy... We're taking our eyes off of him right? and putting on to a, yeah. a brother or sister in Christ. And, and I think people these days would say, I mean, we live in such a politically charged environment, right? And even right now at this specific time in America, it's like midterms are now over and people are vying for political power and things and making a run at the presidency. And so it's always charged, but it just feels supercharged now. And I think the way we justify it in church all the time is like, well, if if you knew what these politicians on the other side of the aisle stood for, or or my neighbor, or this guy I work with, like if you knew the things that he said to me or did to me, yeah. or the ways he cheated or whatever, like you would know it's okay to to like make him the enemy because yeah. he can't be near me or my family or whatever. And it's just like if you just go back to Jesus on the cross, they literally stripped him naked and nailed him to a cross and beat him within an inch of his life, and still at the end. 
he held no anger towards them, right? He's yeah. like, man, God, they don't even know what they're doing. Please yeah. forgive them. Yeah. So until somebody does that to you and me, like, I don't think we're allowed to say, no, no, you don't understand. Yeah. So, so the body of Christ and unity is really important. And part of that is keeping our eyes on who the true enemy is. The true enemy is the, is the enemy. It's the enemy. Yeah, he's the, the, adversary. It's the spiritual enemy from Ephesians 6. Yeah, and not each other. And so if, if we have a physical enemy in this world that is another person, it's because we have decided to do that. Not because God has ordained that or called us to. It's just because we have an ax to grind. Yeah. It's not from God. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Jordan, this is really good. So 12th, I just say, remember, we do have an enemy. He is unnamed because he's evil, but he is the adversary. He's the mouth of Sauron. And yes, he is the mouth of Sauron. <laughs> and he is a liar and a murderer. And so I think knowing who he is, knowing his strategies, that we've got to know the truth and we need to abide in God who is the truth, right? The don't, truth. don't try, just abide. Yep, don't try, just abide. So, And that we just really uh, focus our energy on him and not on each other. We love one another. Yeah. He, we're not the enemy. So, and what is that verse that? See, I I know the verse, but I don't know where it is. That love covers a multitude of sins. Yeah. And so, when we decide to love one another, that that covers the shortcomings that we have with yeah, each other. That's good. So, yep. That's how God would have us treat each other. All right, Jordan, it's really good. I appreciate you doing that. That was a very good word. Um, appreciate you. So, twelfth, have a merry Christmas, and do remember that there is an enemy who was there even when Christ was born, who was ready to get rid of him. So let's uh, always be mindful that uh, Christmas is not just a story of Jesus, it's a story that we have an enemy. So, all right, we will, uh, oh, this weekend, Christmas Eve services. Oh, yeah, we didn't want to forget six that. 6 and 7.30, right? 6 and 7.30, two Christmas Eve services. And yep. then uh, a Christmas service at 10. At 10 if you're spiritual, you'll be there, right? We want everybody to try, try to be there. <laughs> you can't pressure people like that because they'll think you're serious. <laughs> okay, no, it's just <laughs> if you're spiritual, yeah, you'll if be you're there. spiritual. I'm just trying to illustrate the trying. That's why I said try that's to right. be there. Yeah, that's yeah, that would that's be the not, definition of trying. No, yeah. we just have a Merry Christmas, but we will be we will be gathering if you want to join the community. Um, so we'll be there and online both. So all right, Jordan, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for letting me teach. It was yep. good. Twelfth, we're out of here. <laughs>